Zephyrus takeover complete. Another Republic planet has fallen. Onderon has seceded to the Confederacy of Independent Systems under the rule of a new king. However, a small band of rebels have taken refuge deep within its vast and savage wilderness. From an abandoned outpost, they plot to take back the heavily fortified capital city of Isis and end the Separatist occupation. Again, Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar. Welcome to the 156th Onderon introducing episode of Mandavision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent, yet awesome Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, via social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandavisionTom at gmail.com. Please be sure to like, subscribe, share the show. With all the other Mandalorians in your covert. We truly appreciate that. Uh, if you want to support the show in other ways, remember five-star reviews, they're great. We'll talk about those later on, but hey, you taking the time to do those. Truly, truly appreciate it. How the heck is everyone doing? We are just beginning. We're wetting our beaks at the beginning of Season 5 of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Another Star Wars The Clone Wars episode rewatch is upon us. But as you're listening to this... Uh, we will be on the other side of Kenobi, and I will suspect that we will have talked our brains out about the the, the event of the early of this part of the year, at least for Star Wars fans. And uh, I'm 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 sure I'm still basking in the glory of it. But as you can tell, as as I record this episode, Kenobi has not aired yet. I am I am currently banking episodes so that. Uh, well, let's just say there, there might be a potential problem <laughs> in my life down the road, so I want to have as many shows as I can recorded, because recording schedules may get a little challenging later. Let's hope not, though. My goodness gracious. We are doing our best to make sure that doesn't happen. So, yeah, we are we are excited, because we're kicking off Season 5. You know, we just did another Maul episode. We know that it wasn't supposed to be the episode that was originally going to debut for Season 5, but now we are here for what was... To be the the arc that would open this season, and it's a big one. It's a four part arc, and what I'm excited about. There's multiple reasons to be excited. And I think, by and large, for the Star Wars community overall, we're excited about this arc because it's the debut of Saw Gerrera, a, a a character. You know, one of the first characters to really come out of this show, out of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and be featured in in live action in in a way that 
uh, in a way that sort of like, I don't know, just kind of made it, made it be like, yeah, you know what? The Clone Wars stuff is important. It was sort of like the first reminder uh, uh, to, to the more casual fan that, you know what? You, you know that Star Wars cartoon you don't watch because it's a quote-unquote cartoon? Well, guess what? The things they're doing on that mattered. They counted for something. And here's Saw Gerrera in Rogue One, and you're like, oh, who's that guy? What's his story? Well, this is it. This is the beginning of his story right here. And we get to see, we spend more time with Saw in Rebels, and there's been some other literature out there in some of the books, supporting novels, uh, spending more time with Saw, getting to understand his point of view on, on the situation. Here, here we get it on a, on, a, on, a, on a sort of local level as we focus on his home planet. Uh, but, you know, Saw's a warrior, and, and, and he sees the injustice going on across the galaxy, and he escalates his war as time goes on. But this is the first iteration, the first iota, the first kernel, the first nugget, the first time we see Saw Gerrera. But what's also really neat about this episode, for an old head Star Wars fan like me, who uh, uh, was, was sustained during the lean years of Star Wars between you know, between uh, the end of Return of the Jedi and, and the short-lived droids and Ewoks cartoons uh, before we started getting the, the novelizations in the, in, in the early 90s, uh, we were also getting rad comic books. And there was a great comic book series that came out, I think it was around 93, so kind of around the same time that, that the Thrawn stuff was going. Actually, it might have been a little bit later. It might have been like 94. But still, you know what I mean. The, the, our, our Star Wars pickings were books or comics. That was what we had in, the, in those times. Uh, and I loved the comic books. They were fantastic. And, and a, a new series was coming out through Dark Horse. It was called Tales of the Jedi. And again, you know, a 12-year-old, 13-year-old me hears that title. And you're just like, I want to know more Tales of the Jedi. I want to know more about this. And it's set in a time... At, le- at least at least a thousand years. I think it might actually be a little bit longer ago, like maybe even three thousand years, in the old Republic era of the Star Wars galaxy, and we get to see Jedi in a way that we hadn't to this point. You know, coming out of Jedi, we still just had Luke. Luke was our only example of of a Jedi. But we, well, okay, listen. We I guess Kenobi, Yoda. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we got to see them train and and you know, develop and, and a, a different set of skills kind of spinning out from what we knew Luke and Yoda and Obi-Wan could do. Even Vader to an extent because of, of his Sith training and all, all these things and how it all sort of spiraled together. So it was sort of a, a really exciting comic book uh, in, in the sense that we were seeing Jedi very, very differently and very, very differently than when we'd be reintroduced to Jedi in the prequel, uh, in, in the prequel trilogy. You know, this was a, this was a, a sort of Wild Wild West era for Star Wars storytelling, where it was like, yo, you know what? We'll set this story 3,000 years in the past, and we can kind of do what we think the Jedi would have been like in the in this time. And I, I strongly encourage people to check them out. You know, very, very slowly elements of, of some of these, these comics and novels are making their way back into continuity. And, and so having a, a general familiar, familiarity with them is not a bad thing by any stretch. Uh, and because it's set so far in the, in the past, there's still a possibility they, they could, you know, incorporate these exact events in this exact way and be like, you know what, 3,000 years ago, the Jedi were like this. And then it sort of evolved and changed over time. We're seeing that right now with the High Republic books that are only set 200 years prior to, to you know, our main Star Wars timeline. And the Jedi, again, very, very different. Their, their relationship to the Republic, different yet similar to what we see. You, you sort of see 
how that relationship sort of is evolving into what we will get to get to by the time of the prequels. So just that that context there of that. But what I'm I'm sort of skipping over the main point here that that one of that one of the first arcs in that in that book in that Tales of the Jedi series that introduced us to you know Ulic Keldroma and Nomi Sunrider and all these great characters. Uh, was an arc that that introduced us to the world of Onderon and the, the Beast Riders of Onderon even, and, and the city of Isis. It's all in the comic. It all came from that comic. So this is one of the early examples of Dave Filoni, you know, bringing in elements of the expanded universe and and incorporating it into the show. You know, we've we've seen a, f- a few examples of that of it in the in the Clone Wars to this point, but this is a, a kind of like a really subtle nod. Like in, in in you know, unless you're aware of the deep cut reference that Onderon is, you know, it probably just goes right past you. But yeah, like this Onderon has roots. The, the walled city of Isis has roots in Star Wars comic book history. Uh, and, and visually, it's very visually consistent with what was in those comic books at the time. So like I said, for an old head Star Wars fan like me, this was really, really exciting. And I love that we get to spend some time on Onderon. And, you know, at some point we're going to have to do like a retrospective look back at the Tales of the Jedi comic books because there was a... a they were a big deal for quite a while, and they got into some some really big Jedi versus Sith stuff, you know, in that three thousand year, uh, three thousand year period before, you know, the original trilogy is, t- is set and taking place. So really, really interesting stuff, and it would be definitely fun to go back and revisit some of those things. So I've I've blathered on long enough about that, but again, those are like the two main reasons why I'm super super excited about about this arc, why I'm interested in it. You know, Sagarera, we're on Onderon. You know, and I mentioned uh, last week that, that, you know, this has got some controversial elements to this episode, but let's go ahead and get the basics out of the way. Let's get the, the details out, and then we'll talk a little bit about that. We're not going to go too far because, again, as, as I've stated before in this podcast, not the smartest guy in the world when it comes to talking about real-world things. So we'll just kind of, you know, real, keep it real basic, real simple. All right, this is Season 5, Episode 2, A War on Two Fronts. Original air date, October 6, 2012. This episode directed by Dave Filoni, written by Chris Collins, our principal voice cast for this week. We have Matt Lanter as Anakin Skywalker, Don Lynn Gardner as Stila Guerrera, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tano, Andrew Kishino as Saw Guerrera, Jason Spisek returns as Lux Monteri, James Arnold Taylor is Obi-Wan Kenobi, Matthew Wood is the Battle Droids, D. Bradley Baker is the Clone Troopers, Tom Kane is our narrator and Yoda, and Terrence T.C. Carson steps in once again as... Mace Mace Windu. Gotta get that mace in the face. Because, hey, it's Mace Windu. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But people love Mace Windu, and I am, I am one, of them, one of them. Our Jedi Fortune Cookie this week. Fear is a malleable weapon. And, listen, we talk about that a lot in this episode. We're, we're going to get into that. That is, that is not only like the, the fortune cookie, that's sort of like the theme of this episode. And this sort of ties into what we have talked, what, what I was sort of alluding to with the sort of dancing around some real world stuff with the setup of this episode uh, because it's, it's a bit of a moral, an, an, another moral dilemma for the Jedi Council to, to have to grapple with, right? Uh, there's a call from help. We're going to hear that call from Sagrera, from Lux Bonteri as, as Onderon. They're trying to start a rebellion on Onderon, okay? And again, by galactic standards, you know, Onderon has a new king. He has aligned with the Separatists. He has withdrawn Onderon from 
the Republic. And so, again, by and large, by, by, from, from the outside, this is viewed as a legitimate government. But this, this rebel cell is, is calling the Jedi Council asking for aid because, because Lux Monteri provides that inroad, right? Like he has that connection to Ahsoka. So he is like, hey, come and help us overthrow the government. And the Jedi have to, have to kind of grapple with this, right? Because in, in one, from one perspective, from one point of view, as they say in Star Wars, uh, this could be looked at as aiding a terrorist cell. That's a complicated thing. And again, there are real-world comparisons to governments getting involved and supporting insurgents and, and, and you know, quote-unquote terrorists. And then in those scenarios, sometimes, many, many years later, it has come back to haunt them. And, and again, Star Wars doesn't go that deep with it. But again, you're, you're, you're giving the Jedi a, a lot of moral gray stuff to, to deal with. And they don't always make the right choices on this. Again, they're, the Jedi being so directly tied to the Republic is just bad for their bad for their brand. It's not good for them. They shouldn't be this involved in government. But Anakin is very much on board with supporting local resistance. And he his from his point of view, they're not terrorists, they're rebels. They're they're fighting for 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 the side of right in the, in their eyes and and for restoring the old king who was overthrown. And you know, so it, it's complicated. It's a complicated issue for this for the Star Wars show. I don't know if it does enough to. And again, this has always sort of been like the thing with Star Wars is like it, it talks about these things, but it doesn't really go deep enough sometimes. But that's just not what Star Wars is, and that's okay. But we got four episodes of this arc to get into, and and we'll see that we'll we'll see some stuff as the, as the old king returns, as he clashes with the new king. As Dooku steps in, as the Separatists get involved, you know the Jedi get more drawn into the conflict. It's it's a whole thing. It's a, it's a really fun arc. But yeah, there's some there's some real world comparisons that you can make with this set of episodes. So I have rambled on far far too long, but yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Let's get into this episode uh, because hey, it's a war on two fronts, and and one of them shouldn't be me talking through the entire episode. So you know what that t- that means? It's that time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Unfortunately, the only way to reclaim Onderon will be through armed struggle. But we lack sufficient hardware and supplies. Onderon is in your king's rule, and at the outbreak of the Clone War, he chose to align it with the Separatists. Our true king has been silenced. The one you recognize is a traitor and a Separatist minion. We need your help to survive this. Find a way. We shall. We await your answer. An important distinction to make before we get on, Onderon has been referenced prior in the show. We, we know that Lux's mother, Amina Monteri, was the ambassador, the senator for Onderon. But this is our first time seeing Onderon in this, in this way, which is the, the really exciting part of, of the whole story. So I just want to make sure I was clear about that. I think I made it sound like it was the first kind of like time it's been mentioned and seen. No, no, no. It has been mentioned before, but like seeing it is the really exciting part for me. So... There we go. And that's that's the cry from help from Lux Bonteri, from Saw Gerrera to the Jedi. And now let's go ahead and hear what Obi-Wan and Anakin have to say on the matter. There are pockets of rebels on many of these planets that just need guidance. With training and resources, they could attack soft targets while the Republic continues to engage them on the battlefield. That sounds like terrorism, Anakin. Well, I think of it as an insurgency to help realign these planets with the Republic. 
we can divide the Separatist forces and press them on two fronts. A means to an end. Fear cannot be. Stop those who spread terror. The Jedi must. Indeed. What you're suggesting would open up dangerous possibilities. And we must not train terrorists. Uh, rebels. How we conduct war is what distinguishes us from others. Funding rebels to overthrow a legitimate government puts innocent lives at risk. We can minimize collateral damage by using arms that mainly affect droids. The least we can do is help them defend themselves. Test the tactic while we're at it. <laughs> this could be a great new weapon for us. Hmm. Train and observe. Send advisors, we will. I'll assemble a team. I'm going with you. <laughs> what? You don't trust me? Too much. That's what worries me. So as you heard there, the Jedi Council is a little bit divided on the on the topic of, of, of training uh, freedom fighters on Onderon. You know, different point of views, different perspectives. But that's sort of where it ends. And I think that's maybe like the big shortcoming of the episode is it's not more of a philosophical debate. We just kind of get to the matter at hand, which is which is training Saw Gerrera, Stela Gerrera, Lux Bonteri, and, and, and their forces to... Uh, resist to rebel and 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 you know to reclaim their homeworld from uh, a king who has, according to Saw and everyone, assumed the throne and he's just a, a separatist lackey, and so he's probably aided by Count Dooku in in this assumption of the throne, and we're, we're, I think we spend more time getting into that in episodes two, three, and four of this arc, but for right now, you know, we're 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 doing this observe. And you know, train and observe sort of thing, or observe and report. I think is the the, the, the expression that Yoda uses here, which is uh, an interesting tact for the Jedi to be on, as as they're they're showing uh, the Underrun Rebellion rebels. I think might be even a better word than rebellion. Uh, how to counter the droids? Right? They're just showing them ways to fight against the droid armies. And again, they're going to go after quote unquote soft targets. That is a also a loaded word. And we're not going to dive into that too much right now. Again, I think we will get there eventually as, as things kind of escalate during the course of this arc. But it's interesting to see the Jedi there as observers, as, as trainers, you know, very passive. They're there in their robes. They kind of go around with the rebels, but they don't engage necessarily. They're there. They will defend the rebels when the episode kind of reaches its third act here. But they aren't active combatants, if you will. And... The, the truest way you see that is, is Rex, when Rex is introduced in this episode, uh, and he's in his, you know, observe and report uniform. He's in a, a, a very different gear than we've ever seen him before, you know, sort of like, it's still a military uniform, uh, but it's not combat armor. It's not, um, you know, what we're accustomed to from Rex. It's, it's, it's a very, I don't know, I don't know the word I want to use. I don't, like, passive is not it, but I mean, it's, it's very just sort of like unofficial, <laughs> You know, but here's the scene. Uh, we've watched the Jedi at this point. They've been dropped into Onderon, into the jungles of Onderon, and they are about to be. They are they are encountered by Stella, Stila, excuse me, who's going to take them back to the, the to the rebel rebel base. There you go, rebel base. And uh, Obi Wan and Anakin are going to share their first impressions of this rebel force before them. Hmm, a bit rough around the edges, wouldn't you say? That's why I brought Rex here. They're not exactly what I would call shiny, sir, but I could work with them. 
I, so I like how he references them as shinies, which is, again, we go back all the way to season, I think season one or season two, uh, when that's that's the term that clones use for each other when they're talking to like the new clones that are coming right, coming right off Kamino because their armor is all shined up and not uh, scuffed up and damaged and things like that. They haven't seen combat yet. So I, li- I like that uh, Rex sort of makes a reference to that. And again, I sort of mentioned it earlier, but I, I love seeing the creatures here that the that the Onderonians ride on because, it's again, it's straight out of that comic book, Tales of the Jedi. I mean, the Beast Riders of Onderon is a thing, and we are seeing the beasts brought to life on the Star Wars, the Clone Wars animated series. It's so much freaking cool stuff. I love it. Let's go ahead and check out now the, the official introduction of one Saw Gerrera. Very, very young, very, very different than when we catch up to him in Rogue One. We're looking forward to taking a fight to those scrapping droids. Yes, all in good time. Saw, Saw Gerrera. He fashions himself as our leader, though no one elected him. Well, for now, we're in charge. And there is much to learn. And we're going to get a classic training sequence. We'll probably find some clips to play out of that. Well, the other element to this episode is sort of like this this love triangle sort of thing. You know, obviously we know that Ahsoka and Lux Bonteri have a bit of a flirtatious relationship with one another. And... Now we're going to see Ahsoka witnessing Lux engaging with another uh, female that he seems to fancy, and that would be Stila, who at, in this episode we don't realize, though I think visually we might assume there's a, a familial connection, but we don't find out that Stila and Saw are brother and sister until later, uh, I, think, I think in the second episode of the arc. Uh, so we, we get this sort of weird love triangle thing, and Ahsoka sort of not really knowing how to process her feelings about seeing Lux uh, be sort of, uh, you know, flirty <laughs> with another female. And uh, again, that, that can chafe on some people in, the, in this. Uh, I find it interesting because the Jedi Code being what it is, uh, you know, and Ahsoka being the age that she is, this is probably a very challenging time for her. You know, she obviously has feelings for Lux that she's still trying to process and figure out and figure out what it means to her and in her role as a, a Jedi. Uh, but she can't really do anything about it. There's not much she can say and do. It just it just kind of like hurts her to, to see him get the sort of attention and affection from another person that she can't give. And that, that will sort of grow in, in, in more in the, in the second episode of the arc. Uh, but it's just something to sort of pay attention to. You know, either roll your eyes at it or you can you can – embrace sort of like the, the, the struggle that Ahsoka has to go through. Again, this is just part of her journey, part of her learning curve uh, as, as when it comes to a Jedi and, and sort of like their issues with attachment. And again, it again you, you can compare it to Obi-Wan as a teen. You can compare it to Anakin and Padme. And you're going to get different... You, you'll see different things in each one of those relationships. And you're, you know, it's it's sort of up to you to see how would you, where you feel the most rightness comes from it. Like, what is the right path for each of these characters and, and, and all that? We've talked about the idea of the Jedi being too pragmatic, too dogmatic in, in their belief system and not having enough wiggle room on things. And, you know, maybe this is the beginning of Ahsoka seeing some some cracks in, in the Jedi Code, in the dogmatic beliefs of the Jedi Knights. So let's go ahead and, and witness that moment here. This is, this is Lux and Ahsoka kind of reconnecting. They're going to talk about Karlak. Karlak is the episode with, with Lux and the Death Watch, for anyone who's not remembering. Uh, but this is also where we sort of see that, that Stila uh, 
And Lux have a little bit of a thing going, and Ahsoka's reaction to some of these things is, is of note. So go ahead and check this out. Lux, it's good to see you again. It's good to see you too, Ahsoka. I didn't realize you had such strong ties to Onderon. Onderon is my home. My mother represented it in the Senate. Your voice is strong, like hers was. Have you reconsidered joining the Republic Senate? Even if we do take back Onderon, it won't change how I feel. I'm not fighting for the Republic. Well, what matters now is we need each other's help, just like we did on Karlak. Karlak? What happened on Karlak? Ahsoka is the reason I'm here, and not with Death Watch. Really? What he means is... She saved me from a huge mistake. Lux obviously thinks highly of you. I guess so. Let's hope that respect is well-founded. Boom. Steela throws it down a little bit at the end there. And again, I, again, I don't know if it's like a jealousy thing. Do you think it's a jealousy, jealousy thing? Is that what we're going for there? You know, Ahsoka versus Steela for the affection of Lux Bonteri? Hmm. Hmm. So begins our training sequences as, as Rex is showing the Rebels how to fight the droid tanks and droidicas and the whole thing. Lux and Sagarera are coming into conflict. Saw doesn't view Lux as much of a warrior, much of a soldier. Uh, so they, they butt heads a lot here. And part of it may be due to the fact that Stila seems to have some sort of feelings or growing feelings for Lux Monteri. Uh, in this scene, we're about to play a clip here from, you know, this is the early part of the training. It's not going super great, but you do see improvement from the Onderon Rebels as, as they're starting to begin to get the hang of things uh, when it comes to combating the, the droid armies. Uh, but Saw's still mad at, at Lux for the way he handled himself during the training, which was not great. Uh, but also, I think, sore because now he's, he's catching the attention of... Stila. Now, one of the one of the things I wondered about, again, because we don't they don't point out that Stila and Saw are brother and sister in this episode. So I wondered if they were trying to go for a four way thing at first, like Stila's in or Saw's into Stila, but Stila's into Lux and Ahsoka's into Lux. But they don't go that route. They they nip that in the bud uh, by the end of the second episode in, in this arc. But I, I'm curious how it plays for you all. If you think they're trying to do the same thing, or if Saw is just being. Uh, he just doesn't like Lux because he considers him like a politician, like a senator's son sort of scenario. Let's go ahead and check out this conversation. Right there. Go, go, go. Good, good. You sure you up for this? Saw. It was an accident. You would have had us both killed. Just stop it. Sit down, boy. This isn't the Senate. You've got no talent for this. It's going to take a lot more than muscle to defeat the Separatists. Politics have failed us. We have no choice. We always have a choice. Then make yours. Look, if we're going to succeed, you'll need to be exceptional with words and action. There will be time for both. And Ahsoka bears witness to all of this. And also what you get from that section of, of, the, of the episode is that Stila seems to be the real leader here, right? She's bringing these desperate factions together to, to be in the fight. You know, Lux over here, the diplomat, the, the peacemaker, the negotiator, if you will, and, and Saw Gerrera, who we know will become a, a, a major, major opponent of the, the droid armies, of the Separatists, and then eventually the 
uh, galactic empire. You know, Saw's a born fighter, and he will, as we will get to know him better, we will find out that there's no fight that he will not get involved in if he feels that uh, it's the right thing to do. They, they, they do all this in front of Ahsoka, which is also interesting. So you have to wonder, again, Ahsoka trying to balance her uh, personal issues, her personal connection with Lux, uh, against her, her mission here as a Jedi to train these rebels to fight against the droid armies and the Separatist armies. And yeah, there you go. Let's check out this next sequence here with, with Anakin addressing the crowd. Destroyers are quick. Pack twin blasters and come with their own shield generator. Never mind, it's just another training sequence. I thought it was a different one. We'll skip to the next part right now. But what is interesting in this section, again, this is the, the, the where they're teaching them to throw the detonators slowly enough to get past the Jordica's shields. And this is another moment of jealousy. Ahsoka, as, as Lux mines to steal, tries to help her with her soft tosses of the thermal detonators and the way she sort of reacts to it and, and the things she sees, the way that he is supportive and, and, and comforting of her struggles with the idea of, of being able to throw this detonator softly enough. Again, just things to be mindful for, pay attention to, that's all. All right, so some probe droids were dispatched from the walled city of Isis, and now they have made their way to the jungle, and they have found the rebel base, rebel activity, the center of rebel activity in the jungles of Onderon. And there's bad news is coming. The droid army's been called. They are on their way. But now we get a moment between Ahsoka and Saw Gerrera. Saw has asked for a little help of his own as he's struggling to get those thermal detonator throws just right. So let's go ahead and hear Ahsoka's teaching method with Saw Gerrera. I can't get the distance or the speed right. Don't give up. Learning this could save your life and those around you. A little backspin might help. Just take it easy. Don't get frustrated. You got it. Good teacher, Jedi. Practicing. All right, so Steel has gotten frustrated with this process. Saw seems like he might have figured it out, uh, but now Steela is is uh, gonna get some air, and Ahsoka's heading over to have a little chit chat with her. You made it look easy. Wasn't always that way. Right, the Force. That your secret? No, perseverance. Look, you'll get the hang of it. I wouldn't let it get you down. I'm not feeling down. I just know what I'm good at. And in case we haven't figured it out, Steel is real good at shooting things. She's got some real precision aiming here, and she's real good at that. That's her strength. That's what she brings to this fight. Uh, but I liked hearing the encouraging words from Ahsoka, trying to talk to her as just another person. You know, letting her know like it has nothing to do with the Force. It's just being dedicated and doing this over and over and over again until you get it right, until you learn it, until it's muscle memory, until it's just you just make that throw every single time, no matter what, because it's trained into you how to do it. So I loved hearing that from Ahsoka. So the droid army is preparing. They, they're they making more notes, I guess, on where to attack. And we're going to see Steelo uh, demonstrate her skill set right here. And uh, Anakin will be uh, impressed. Let's put it that way. Impressive. Most impressive. That's all I wanted to play. <laughs> I just wanted to hear to hear Anakin say impressive. 
most impressive. So in a bit of, of a jealous moment here, uh, <laughs> Ahsoka, you know, she doesn't like the Steelers getting all this praise for shooting some stationary targets. Time to, time to throw some droid heads up in the air and, and use the force to move them around. And Stila uh, still starts to blast them out of the sky. And, and not only getting uh, attention from Anakin and Obi-Wan, but now ah- Ahsoka's feelings are kind of getting out there and, and uh, people are noticing that as well. Nice job. You have clearly mastered your ability to focus. Snips, are you losing focus? No, Master. Good. A headshot is the only decisive way to disable a droid. They don't need arms, legs, or even bodies to pass intel to Central Command. All right. Shoot at will. All right, and here is where the battle will begin. All right, so let's check out this exchange between Obi-Wan and Anakin as the droid forces move in on the, the Onderon rebels here. And uh, they re- you know, Obi-Wan has to remind Anakin of the limitations of their roles in this conflict. I'll take the left flank if you take the right. No, Anakin. We can only protect them. We cannot fight this wall for them. So there it is, another reminder that the Jedi cannot get involved in this in this conflict in this way. Not overtly, not directly, um, because it would be going against the, the will of a governing body, I suppose. There, you know, there's limitations here that we, again, a lot of the, the rules of engagement here with the Jedi and how much they can do, it's sort of nebulous based on whatever story you want to tell. But, you know, we've seen them go to the planets that, that have seceded from the Republic in, in prior episodes. This one seems to be a bit more of a dicey, dicier situation, more, more desperate because, because of the plea for help, I would imagine, from Lux, a, a, you know, a, the son of a senator, and, and Sagarera, who, who's claiming that their freedoms are being uh, uh, crushed by the Separatists. So it, it, we have to look at it on a case-by-case basis. It's probably just the easiest way to do things. It's not, like, it's not like Star Trek where there's like some kind of prime directive in place. It's a little bit more complicated and a little bit more fluid uh, in, in Star Wars in that sense. But this is also the moment where the rebels of Onderon begin to shine. They, they show that they have been paying attention. They have been uh, taking Rex's lessons to, to heart. And they are becoming a formidable fighting force as they are able to defeat these droids with some cunning, some ingenuity, and the training that they've been given by Rex and the Jedi here. Now we'll hear a little bit from the aftermath of this battle. We uh, need to clean you up. <laughs> I like it. Now you look more like a soldier than a politician. Well, maybe a good politician needs to get dirty now and then. Oh, Lux Bonteri, you have all these these women fawning over you, and you have no idea what to do with yourself. Oh, to be you. <laughs> this is this is one of those things they're not going to go too crazy with on Star Wars. <laughs> it's just it's just funny to observe. It's it's amusing. Take confidence from this victory. But rest assured, there will be more droids coming, now that they know your position. It doesn't matter. You're ready now. We are going to take the fight to the droids. You don't have to hide in the jungle any longer. Droids are a bit dim. More so than I imagined. They make up for it in numbers. They're designed to overwhelm. But they're not designed to deal with our approach. We hit them where they least expect it. And before they realize what happened, we fade in with the rest of the population. Exactly. 
We need a plan to get inside the city. I have an idea. So now we're going to see them make their way into the walled city of Isis, which is where they are going to disrupt the droid army in the heart of Onderon, right? They're going to be in the capital city. And, you know, we get into it more in the next episode. So I won't say too, too much. But they have to, they can't just run around and, you know, blow up droids. It's a little bit more complicated than that. And there, there's a war to get the people of Onderon of the, and the people who are in the city of Isis on their sides supporting them. Uh, because, it, again, it is a complicated political landscape on Onderon. So to get into the city of Isis, it is, it is shielded. Uh, droids protect it. They're checking to make sure, you know, like, hey, why do you want in the city? And now we have to see here Lux's clever plan for getting in to the walled city of Isis. Check it out. What were you doing outside of the city gates? Hunting. We've been trekking for days. Did you register before your excursion? No. But most of our time is spent in the bush, collecting our traps. We come to the city to sell. You can't get thrip lava like this in Isis. Only the biggest trees on the other side of Onderon. Hey, listen, we need to deliver all of this in time for supper. Hmm. Are you scanning anything? It's hard to tell, but so much organic matter. Come on! Our merchants are waiting inside. Can you hurry it up? Let them through. Roger, roger. I love how the droids get peer pressured by people yelling at them. <laughs> I feel like if the droid army was a little bit more staunch in their ways, they would just would have shot that lady in the face. But <laughs> you know, these droids have a job to do, darn it. But anyways, they get bullied and they just let them through. I guess there's no reason to to doubt what the what Lux Monteri is telling them. And they, you know, with a, with when you in Star Wars when you wear a hood, when you cloak your face. No one recognizes you. You are invisible, and you cannot be detected. So these droids have no idea that a wanted fugitive is just going to walk right past them because the cloak makes it so. It makes you invisible to all detection. That's why whenever I go out and I don't want to be seen, cloak up. It's the best way to get around the world. They'll never see you. Good plan. Like Saul said, those droids are dumber than we thought. Not a bad start, but now the hard work begins. You must find recruits and choose your targets wisely. They'll be looking for us. We should split up. Regroup after nightfall. I'll alert our brothers. We'll make sure you have the supplies you need. Rex and I will take care of that. Good luck. You, you too. too. How do you think they'll do? I have a feeling we'll be pleasantly surprised. So you admit our new strategy will work. I am hopeful, Anakin. Hopeful. Yeah, 
And there you have it, the close out of the episode. And our first look inside the walled city of Isis. Uh, it's really, really neat to see it brought to life, brought to the screen. Uh, and I am uh, enthusiastic that we're all going to have a good time spending time in Isis on Onderon for the next three episodes of the podcast because we are going to be crushing through the Onderon arc, the Sagarera debut. And again, this is going to escalate, and it's going to escalate quickly because next week, you know, we're going to spend time with this new Onderon king, this one who's been put on the throne by Dooku and the Separatists to keep Onderon out of the Republic. Which is interesting because Lex Monteri has already said he has no desire to go back to the Republic. Uh, you know, once they, they sort of liberate Onderon from the Separatists, they're, they want to go neutral. They want to go the way of Mandalore and stay out of this conflict for the Republic. Uh, so they're the... Again, sort of the desire of the Jedi, of the Republic in this case, again, they're supporting the Onderonians' rebellion, uh, but there's not much to be gained for it other than one less world on the Separatist side. So it's, it's I'm not quite sure what the Republic's aims are here other than, you know, doing the right thing in one regard, especially if it is true, like Sagarera implied, that the rightful king of Onderon uh, was deposed from his throne wrongfully. And again, we will get into that. We will explore that more fully as the arc plays out, as this progresses. And, and again, next week's episode, we spend time in Isis as these rebels, again, start to try to win the hearts and minds of the people of Isis and, and again, escalate their conflict against the, the illegitimate king of Onderon and the Separatists themselves. So stay tuned for that. I, I'm a fan of this episode. Again, I, you know, I've, I've said it before, when Star Wars wants to have a, an interesting moral conversation, when they want to get into like some, some kind of hot-button issues, they never really do enough uh, for my personal satisfaction. But that's okay because that's sort of like the limitation of Star Wars. It's like they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna make similarities. They're going to they're gonna have comparisons to our real world. But they're not really going to do like hard-hitting metaphors and, and, and things like that. Like they're not going to really plumb those depths. Um, and, and that's kind of what Star Wars has always been in, in, in a lot of senses, and that's fine. You just have to know what Star Wars is. You know, I've talked about it, I've talked about it in other episodes of, of the podcast, how I'd like, I'd like Star Wars to be a little bit more than it is. And that's just me kind of projecting and, and sort of wanting Star Wars to grow and to be in, a, in many, many different directions. Um, and I, I think in my heart of hearts, I've always known, and it's become more clear to me, over like the last several years, that Star Wars is just always going to be Star Wars. It's always going to be uh, approachable for everyone, for for kids and, and new fans, old fans. You know, they, they are trying to have the most wide spectrum uh, of of accessibility to Star Wars, and I get that, and I, re I respect that. You know, do I want more from my Star Wars? Sure, but that's just me. I am one person, and I'm still happy to get the Star Wars that I get. So when I, you know, I don't get the the moral hard hitting, uh, you know down in the in the muck of the universe kind of Star Wars that I may I might want but you know there's probably going to be an avenue to find more stuff like that that might hit my sweet spot and maybe it's in the comic books or maybe it's in books or video games or whatnot but I will find it eventually um that does bring up another thing that I was I, I an episode of the show that I'm talking about doing in the future down the road uh, I want to try and get someone on with me to have this conversation about how um you know like just us spitballing, like what would we like to see from Star Wars down the road? Like what, what Star Wars would be exciting 
for 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 you. And that'll be when we do that episode. When I get that kind of like a little bit more fine tuned, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a, a direct, uh, not direct necessarily, but a more on a more specific theme. Uh, we'll find this. We'll flesh that out more, and hopefully we we'll get some audience participation about that too. Like what you all want to see from Star Wars moving ahead, moving into the future. And it, it will just be a speculation-based episode, which, again, not my favorite thing to do, but, like, let's get crazy sometimes. Let's have some fun on the podcast and just, like, throw Star Wars stuff against the wall and see what sounds awesome. Because, hey, why not? Let's just do it. Like, it'll be, like, uh, like for me, back in the day, going to the comic book store Wednesday nights and just talking about Star Wars with, with people and how, how much fun that used to be when you'd be like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was like an evil version of R2-D2 and C-3PO? And then 20 years later in a comic book, they do it? What? Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. All right. <laughs> I'm a fan of this episode. I like this arc overall. Uh, I, I think it's actually a little bit better than its, its rating on IMDb. I think it's closer to an 8 than a 7.5. Uh, so I, I lean that way. I think a go 8. Uh, the, you know, you can argue about the love triangle stuff, the, the Stila... Ahsoka Lux Bonteri thing if you want I, I think it's fine I like I like it for Ahsoka's development I like it to, to, for her to have to uh, deal with her feelings in a, in a different way especially feelings that she knows she's not necessarily supposed to have as a Jedi Knight and then having to witness this person that she does have feelings for have begin to have feelings for another person because she can't be the person that he wants her to be so it's all very very interesting we'll see how it goes we'll see how it all shakes out uh, if you remember how this arc ends it uh Tragedy is inevitable, <laughs> but it is Star Wars. There's always a little bit of tragedy in, in, in our favorite Star Wars, too. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and close out. Let's get out of here, I think. Uh, I, I do want to mention, you know, this is sort of a long episode because I, I rambled at the beginning here a bit, but I, there's another upcoming episode of the show that I'm going to be doing. And again, it's another one I got to get somebody on to, to sort of uh, have the discussion with because there, there's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's 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 our good friend Jedi Master, the 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 the, the, the you know, the, the 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 chosen one perhaps. But Luke I've been thinking about a lot about Luke Skywalker. And the I really want to have a big conversation about Luke at some point, but what really got my gears going was something else that I'm not going to be specific about. I'm be very vague about right now. But there is an aspect to Luke in the old expanded universe. And I want to have a conversation about the differences between our Luke in the canon and our Luke in the old expanded EU. And there is a central figure that I want to include. That will be a big part of this conversation. And I'm going to find an expert on it. Gosh darn it. And it's going to be a blast. We're going to have a good time. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. I think that will that is just an idea that has begun to form in my, in my brain. That will probably be out sometime in June or July. <laughs> we'll we'll see. I'm I'm waiting to get more of these release dates. We're about to be in a big crush of Star Wars stuff. You know, obviously Kenobi's done now, but the Bad Batch is coming up real quick. Uh, hopefully by now we know a date for Andor, and and you know maybe we'll get some more information, some more dates on things uh, after celebration because you'll be hearing this after celebration. So we may have a lot of things to to kind of plan out and to map out. But future episodes of this show are going to have some fun fun. Uh, uh, fun topics. You know, we're gonna get a little bit out there. We're gonna get a little bit crazy. You know, we're gonna, especially after, you know, we're we're gonna be kind of mixing it up because we gotta start stretching out a little bit. We're running out of Clone Wars, so we gotta find some other episodes to do. Don't worry though, 
We, you will be entertained. And I thank you all so, so much for listening. New listeners, welcome aboard. Old listeners, thank you for coming back and, and bringing 17 of your friends with you because I truly appreciate the the uh, the pyramid scheme that we have going on over here to get new listeners. It is truly, truly the best. I thank you all so much for the support. Remember to find us on social media. Give us those likes, those shares, all that good stuff. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and thank you for all those little those little heart shapes that you fill in with the red. Love it so much. Email the show, mandivisiontom at gmail.com. We are so happy when you do that too. And <laughs> five-star reviews, a great way to help the show stand out, to show some support, help us fight the algorithm, get some more eyeballs on the podcast when people go into their, their feed and looking for new shows. And those will help us pop up a little bit more often, and that's always a good thing. I think we have a pretty catchy logo, but what do I know? If it's not catchy, let me know. Maybe we'll have to change it. I'll get Mike on the horn. He'll love having to do, ask me, he'll love me asking for more free work. So, <laughs> Mike, if you're listening, wink, wink. <laughs> so yeah, five-star reviews, a great way to help support the show. Spread the word. We truly, truly appreciate it. If you want to support the show financially, you can do that as well. We, we do have a Patreon. We are patreon.com forward slash Mandivision. Join up with your fellow Mandivision, or become an official Mandivision maniac and hang out with sweet, sweet people like the... Aspen Ochoti, the Batman of Bayho, Jeff Nail. Jeff has a podcast called The Ringing Ear. It's a music podcast. Check it out. Thanks, Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles. The Squid Master General, Brian Broussard. The New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer. Very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company here in San Diego and Baltimore, Maryland. The Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. The Silent Assassin, he who should not be named. And Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, It's Still Good, a great movie podcast that I suggest you all check out too. Oh, and by the way, when you sign up for Mandivision, uh, being a Patreon of Mandivision, you get bonus content. There's sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content on there. And uh, I mean, by, by the time you listen to this, there's probably a ton more up there. So that's the good news. It's always going to be on there. Check it out. Thank you all so, so much for listening. Let's get out of here. We'll be back for another episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars Rewatch Mondays or Fridays, whatever day it is. And we'll talk to you then. But remember, until then, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. You expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature and deliver it to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. <laughs>